Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Well, good afternoon. My name is Dennis Pomerantz, and this is the Anything Goes segment. Uh, it has been a crazy week. People have, have, have messaged me and have stopped me and everything else. And the, my guest tonight, or this afternoon, I, I used to call her my little sister. I hope I could still do that. But, um, Jean, are you here? I sure am. Hi, Bennett. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? Uh, I'm well. You know, it's it's funny. Somebody says you called her sweetheart. That's not professional. We are professional. Trust me. <laughs> we have known each other so long. I can say sweetheart to her and her and her um, gentleman, her husband. Guy, guy is is fine with it. Some people get offended, and I, you know, some people get overly offended almost, and, and that's not the way it should be. I'm going no, to let, instead of me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I can call you honey, right? <laughs> Anytime you want. But uh, I want I wanted you to tell them everything you've done in your life, other than being a a first class poet, a first class speaker, a first class scriptwriter, a first class filmmaker. I mean, I'll let you tell them what you do. Well, I think you just did. <laughs> I was born the middle child of five in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I attended the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and I studied art history and philosophy and psychology and art, and I traveled, and I also studied acting. I did not go to school formally for film, but like Terrence Mollick, not to compare myself to Terrence Mollick, well, why not, uh, like Terrence Mollick, I found that Actually, philosophy was a wonderful avenue to writing and filmmaking and other art forms. Uh, because after all, and I, I must say I'm not a, saying this to impugn anyone, but when you study writing, what are you going to write about? When you study painting, what are you going to paint about? Or acting or theater, et cetera, et cetera. I think the school of life is a, also a wonderful education. So uh, I've always 
liked uh, and enjoyed uh, knowing people, meeting people, doing many things. And that said, I found also a fascination with herbology. So I've been an herbalist for a number of decades. Um, and as you mentioned, Bennett, I have been a poet for a very long time, a performance poet for a very long time. And I'm in the stages, in the last stages of my second feature film now, after making a number of shorts, uh, which is a different animal, by the way. It's its own art form. Uh, so you have features, you have shorts, you have narratives, you have documentaries, you have multi-genre, different genre, uh, many things, room for everybody. And that's, uh, that's the nutshell version. <laughs> well, I, let me say this. I was talking to somebody online and they said, uh, Spagusa, isn't she the, the woman that did the scarapist? <laughs> and I said, yeah. Oh, whatever happened to her? I said, she's going to be my guest this week. Oh, is, is she busy? I think so, yeah. And, you know, it's like. It's a secret, but. <laughs> well, it's like. Yeah. Even yeah. Uh, I was watching Good Morning America this morning, and they had Chris Rock on. And Chris mm. Rock, of course, has been in, everybody's been in pandemic. And yeah. all been hidden and everything else. We're all cooped up in our homes, not going anywhere unless it's to the doctor, the dentist, or, uh, you know, grocery stores. And everybody is in a mask and sometimes eye goggles or whatever. And and that's it. I mean, there is that our freedom has been sheltered or taken away in a way. We do. There are a number of limitations right now. And we have to be able to work now within those limitations to the best of our ability, honestly, one of my biggest concerns, I know that, you know, uh, we oftentimes in America concern ourselves with productivity, but I'm also concerned about the emotional and psychological effect that this is having on people. I think people have, in the, especially in the last couple of weeks, have really begun to, because we're social animals, so we've really started to, I think, feel the impact of the, the isolation. I think that's really starting to hit a lot of people hard now. It, it is it is difficult when you're, uh, and thank God I have this radio show once a week to keep me alive and keep me mentally active. Thank God. I'm and yeah. and I have a lot and I have a lot of friends in the industry that I still talk to, and people are like, "You're talking to them?" Yeah. What do you do on the radio? Talk to them. <laughs> and it's not a, oh, yeah, I want to talk to my friends. I do want to talk to my friends. But most people are in isolation, are, uh, are how can I say it, under, you know, but, you know, with family and friends and cloister. Mm-hmm. And it bothers me. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm I'm cloistered in oh. 
in a lovely apartment looking at the, not at the ceiling, but looking at the, the skyline. It's beautiful. But am I going to go out? Unless I have to, no, I'm going to be wearing a mask and, you know, it, it's am, lovely. Yeah, and then that goes back to the productivity issue. And productivity is one thing, but the economy is not doing so well right now, and that's another concern. I, I feel with all of us what we're going through right now is not easy. It's very, very challenging, very challenging. And you, you want to be great. But but for the things that you still can be with, but it's it's a difficult time for a lot of people. The fires and there's just lots of things going on right now. I feel with people for that. Do you find that's a staller on your career, or do you find that makes you more creative? Well, I can honestly say that I have been very creative during COVID. I have written more poems in a short span of time uh, in these months um, than I probably had in a long time. Not that I wasn't writing, but I have been writing a lot more. And my poetry has turned to a much more, I never had really written a lot of erotic love poetry before, but I've been writing a lot of erotic love poetry during this time. At, at least, at least you're writing. I'm writing too, I'm but writing. you know, it, it becomes difficult because you're cloistered. Yeah, and yeah, we're social animals. You know, we're meant to be social. Yeah, I know, and I, I just feel like we're all sort of cloistered in in this. Eight by twelve space, if you know what I mean. Yes. I'm being or, facetious or, on the the building space, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and well, and the thing is, the thing I remember, you know, I'm talking with. Uh, don't kill me if I mentioned him. Uh, I was talking with uh, someone whose initials are TW, and we were ta- I was talking about how the simplest things that I miss, you know, I miss going certain places. I miss going to restaurants and just being able to sit and relax, not necessarily have to concern myself with masks, eating outside. You know, I miss simple things like just being able to go visit someone and hug them. Um, I miss uh, just a lot of the everyday things I miss a lot, you know. Okay. Virtual hug. I want to make sure I got it in. Virtual hug. So we, you probably have a lot of questions for me because you and I actually haven't talked in a while. I know. Well, I want you to tell these lovely people. I I loved your first film or the first full length film, The Scarapist. Thank you. No, I I thank you. It's a wonderful film about you and your therapist, and it it, it really is a landmark movie I've had people that tell me it's interesting but I don't know if it'll sell on a marquee Uh, it already did it already did no one has to wonder it had a limited theatrical release it was released onto uh, various video on demand platforms it is actually leaving those platforms uh, uh, after September 30 it's leaving TVOD and SVOD 
it, it has been acquired by an AVOD distributor also. Um, and you're right about it being landmark because before the Scarapist, multi-genre movies were very frowned upon. Now they are celebrated. The, the use of the word noir, which was not considered commercial, is now used everywhere. Uh, the two female leads was not considered marketable. Now you'll see it everywhere. Um, and, of course, just the whole new a reshaping of what we call psychological thriller, actually employing psychology, that was done in noir films like Possessed with Joan Crawford uh, back in the 40s and even into the 50s. But we have not really seen psychological thrillers that address psychology until now The Scarapist. So The Scarapist, Jeremy Walker, coined the new noir. He was on the money, no pun intended, when he coined the phrase the new noir to describe the scarapist. The scarapist has had a very big impact on cinema. And now you see films like Greta, uh, Unsane, Split, uh, and the list goes on and on. So it, it is really interesting what a big impact it has had. Um, and motion picture and television, it's really interesting. And now you have you know, series like Ratchet, Gypsy on Netflix. So all of these things came about in response to and after The Scarapist. So now with The Scarapist having had its run and still running, um, we have Night Rain, right? Right. Yes, we have Night Rain, and that's what I want to get to in a minute. Good. You there? Okay. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm just, well, the one problem about doing a radio show where you're in California and I'm in Maryland, it's <laughs> trying to get, uh, trying to hear you sometimes. It's not you, it's just, <laughs> but, you can okay. Hear me okay, now. Tell me about, tell me about your new film, Night Ray, which I know you have to re-edit it 20 million times. 20 million times. Well, and, and, and in reality, it's, we're basically coming up with three different versions. For me, obviously, the version is the director's cut. There is a theatrical cut that's under two hours. And that said, uh, Night Rain, uh, I developed Night Rain in, uh, started writing it in November of 2012, October, November of 2012, after we shot The Scarapist. I had such, I'd always had a respect for independent filmmaking, but being my first feature, I saw the, the fascination and the challenges of independent filmmaking, and I wanted to make a piece that involved 1940s, the period of the 1940s, having studied film noir and a new passion and respect for film noir, and as a genre, it is really the only organic genre to develop out of Hollywood, and mostly... Uh, it was, you know, relegated to the B picture uh, at that time because it was very unique and it did show people in a not-so-flattering light, which studios were very reticent to have their stars be portrayed that way. So oftentimes... But is Nightwing a B picture? What's that? Is Nightwing a B picture? No, nothing I do what I, I would classify as a B picture. What I do is I do. I'm not, saying, I'm not trying to be insulting, but no, I'm just absolutely. saying 
I would I would classify because in reality the B picture what we call B picture isn't isn't doesn't really even exist anymore anyway because that was a reference to a picture that that usually preceded a, a, a an A feature. So I would say what I do is I make movies and I make films and I would call my I would classify my films I guess they're 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 art house they're you know uh, multi genre they're I make the movies I want to make. And I know the categorization becomes important for sales, not as much as it used to be, obviously, as we talked about in the wake of The Scarapist. But um, I just, I love making movies I love to make. So, so in that regard, I would, I would say that Night Rain is a, a suspense, is a thriller, is a mystery. Um, and it surrounds a group of independent filmmakers struggling to make a, uh, a low-budget period film under uh, terrifying conditions. Uh, so you do see now also the sort of the new, the new movement of these stalker films coming back. But Night Rain was written in 2012 to 2016. I spent a lot of years researching the material because what I wanted to do, what my goal was, was to make an accurate and dignified and respectful portrayal of Elizabeth Short, who's better known as the Black Dahlia. Let me ask you, it's going to sound very interesting when I get the answer, but do you find that it's what you wanted, the final product is what you wanted? The director's cut is really, in fact, I had to go back and film certain scenes three times to get what I wanted, but the director's cut is as close to anything I could have hoped for. I, the actors I cast, and when I, I say the actors I cast for a reason, because when you're doing agency-packaged pictures, generally you are not writing the script, you are not casting the film. You are managing a set. That is a fact. You want to direct a movie. I mean, in the truest, classic sense of the word, you are making your own motion pictures to do that. So in addition to writing the screenplay, I was involved with the editing process, the directing process, the cinematography process, the casting, every step of the way, storyboarding, the whole nine yards, from start to finish, I was very, very happy to be a part of that and in the process learning so much about the different facets of filmmaking, which I think is very important to filmmaking. And I think that's why people like Tommy Wiseau and David Lynch and uh, others, uh, I can uh, name a few, but Julie Dash, these are the individuals I often end up either collaborating with or mentoring with because they are in the classic sense, the auteur, you know. Okay, um, can I ask a silly question? You know my questions yep. ain't silly. What's your next movie? Night, Night Wind is in the can. It's done. It's not Night finished. Rain. Yeah, Night Rain, is, Night Rain is... That's okay. Night Sorry. Rain is pretty much finished, and we did secure our sales representative, so... Uh, and we we'll hear it here. You're hearing it here for the first time. The announcement: We are an official selection of La Femme International Film Festival, running the 15th to the 18th of October. So that's next month. 
and we're going to do a okay, wonderful Okay, let me ask you a question. How are they going to do a film festival when, I'm going to say this without sounding rude, in this age of COVID, how are we going to do? How are you going to do a film festival? The way most does everybody have a monitor and are going to have a video of it or what? That's it. You bought, you purchase a virtual ticket and you watch it online, and you can interact. Uh, there are Q and A's available, panels available. Uh, it's not the same as in-person interaction, but. A lot of people have felt that, at the very least, it keeps uh, it keeps the industry in touch with the audience to a certain degree. Um, so that is how a lot of festivals are running this year. Some are opting out, like Fantastic Fest. They are just opting out, not having a festival this year. So. Uh, it just depends on the. It's, it's up to the festival to decide how they're going to organize. But they're really even. I think it was Dances with Films was going to try to have a hybrid in-person online. How they were going to do that, I'm not sure. But they actually ended up opting out of the in-person for the obvious reasons. So, um, so yeah. So that's it's a great question because it's uh, it's a valid question, and that's that's how it's being handled. Uh, so well, let me ask you this, and I'm 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 being I'm I'm looking at my magic crystal ball here. Can't you tell? Uh, what's your next project? And I don't mean the poetry you're writing, even though I love it. Thank you. Uh, the next project, and we've already started grabbing some test shots for it, is making angels. And okay. uh, making angels is a very unique dramedy. With uh, I I I I like to call it a metaphysical dramedy. <laughs> um, so that movie is already being uh, initiated. The the uh, the movie is already has already entered a a, a pre production phase. So without sounding you're lazy, because I know you're not. How long <laughs> would it take you to make the movie? To make Making Angels. To make any movie, you know, making angels or any other movie, how long would it take you? It, how long would it take me? If it it depends on the movie. I I I'm not and I'm not. That's not meant to be evasive. Each movie, it, my experience is each movie is a different child, and I I was actually surprised at the length of post production with Night Rain. And I am aware that Terrence Malick spent four years on A Hidden Life. Uh, it really depends on the movie. And it depends on what what parameters you are allowed. I actually took longer than I had wanted or anticipated on Night Rain, but I also have made the movie I wanted to make. Um, so, whereas I think The Scarapist, again, I started writing the screenplay in 2006, 2006, Seven. It was shot yeah. in 2012. It was completed in 2015. So Night Rain, we, I started the screenplay in 2012. Um, I am completing it here and now in 2020. So really, it, you know, Making Angels, I started that screenplay in the late 90s, and I'm still polishing that screenplay. So 
Breath of God was like seven years of research and three years of writing and probably will go through some other iterations. So I would say plan on, if you are making movies, if you are a filmmaker, it is going to be your life's endeavors pretty much. You okay, let you me ask it. you. I have a couple of stupid questions from some of my wonderful fans. Thank you guys. for. Monica asks and asks, are you ever going to do a poetry slam video? Uh, that's a, actually a really good question, Monica. I, I have done two so far. And by the way, um, who is in your neighborhood? So not in your neighborhood per se, but in your neighborhood. She's on the. Okay. She's not in Maryland. She's on the other side of the world with you. Oh, she's on the left coast with me. Excellent. Monica, I hope you're staying safe right now. I think that's an excellent question. I appreciate the question. I'm going to say that, yes, I will certainly be doing that. Uh, when specifically, I can tell you that, interestingly enough, for your question, making angels actually will contain certain spoken word scenes that that take place in New York at a very famous venue. So that's something you will probably enjoy if you like a spoken word video. You will enjoy the segments that include that in Making Angels. So that's going to be the soonest I'll probably be making that, and certainly I would anticipate within the next 8 to 10 years making a, a spoken word video. Good question. Thank you, lady. Okay. Uh, another question. This is from Bradley. Hi, Bradley. I don't know his last name, but he sounds very efficient. He says, <laughs> basically, are you planning on doing anything since you said you're writing poetry? Yeah. yeah she is a great poet, by the way, Bradley. She is a very good poet. Are you going to do any books or book collections? Yes. I actually have a book right now that was options. Um, it's actually an illustrated children's book. On Instagram, book. I just saw Footlocker to turn its stores into voter registration hoax. September 22nd. I'm getting some background. Uh, Are you getting that background noise too, Bennett? I can hear you because I'm getting... Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. That's okay. So what I was about to say is I just had a book option that I wrote and illustrated a number of years ago called Hope is My Favorite Color. It's also a play. So that book will be coming out. It has been optioned, so it will be coming out. I cannot say the specific date, not because I can't tell, but because I'm not sure at this point. It is in the process of going through the publishing process now. So that is one book. And then I, I am also compiling a book of poetry, and there is also a book of herbology that I've been working on for a very long time that um, I've been, I've been uh, incited to publish. So books, the books are coming. And that's a good question, Bradley, because uh, there are two people I work on a podcast with, Matt Cedillo and David Romero, who just recently had books published. 
and they're really enjoying the college circuits and things like that. So that's people are very hungry right now for good content. So another good question. Another great question. Well, okay. And what, what is the podcast you have with David Romero? Even though I love yeah. David Romero, don't tell him that because it'll go right to his head. <laughs> oh, he's a good egg. How long is Matt's deal? Uh, the, the podcast is the Criterion Collective. And we three, Matt Cedillo, David, and I, we review movies from the Criterion Collection every week. So, uh, so. Well, when you get to Hopscotch or when you get to Armageddon, call me. I'll come on. Oh, so those are the, they're oh. in the Criterion Collection, are two of my favorites. Oh, I'm so excited. Bet it because we do invite guests. And I would love for you to be on the Criterion Collective podcast. This is so cool. Well, you know, it's funny. I got a copy of Armageddon. And I said, this is not the Armageddon I know. And, oh, God, listening to Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck (laughs) and, and talking about how they made Armageddon with Michael Bay. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, stay up. It was a good one, but also Hopscotch didn't have any. It had Brian Forbes commentary. Now Brian Forbes, if you know, don't know, was the author of Hopscotch. Mm. And mm. Hopscotch is, is a. Go ahead. Oh, I said this is interesting. Please continue. I'm Hopscotch so is a movie about Walter Matthau and Glenda Jackson play former spies. And Ned Beatty is his boss, and Sam Waters is in it, and Herbert Lom. And he retires, or semi-retires, and um, he basically hopscotches the, uh, the, 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 the world almost. And uh, Walter Matthau's character. And it is a lovely, lovely movie. The book was a lovely, lovely book. And if you need something to read during this pandemic, that's the book you should get. It's a funny spy thriller. I'm and excited. It's not a, but it's not a, one of those, oh, my God, it's a spy thriller, bang, bang, bang. No, you know. And the character right. played by Sam Waterston, he picks up the gun, ties him to the bed, and basically checks, are your gun clean? That's good. You know, <laughs> it, it's the same thing in the book. But it's, okay. it's, uh, it's a spy thriller. And, and Walter Matthau was the only one I think could have played it. And Glenda Jackson, oh, it is it is. It's a you know. It's a wonderfully done movie. It's it's not a top twenty box office with all the explosions and everything else. It does have a one or two explosions, but nothing major. <laughs> Nobody dies, supposedly. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but um, if you haven't seen Hopscotch. Go see it. It's wonderful to go to. 
now, it's a Criterion collection. I love it. Uh, there are other films I have on Criterion, like The Red Shoes and other things. But uh, I wouldn't... I don't feel that I'm that gifted enough to comment on the red shoes. Hopscotch, yeah. Armageddon, <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, when we invite the guests, past- usually it's I'm the sorry? guest. I said, when we invite the guest, it's usually the guest who picks the movie. So you will have the choice of which movie from the Criterion Collection you would like to review. I, 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 it's going to be, I'll have to flip a coin and say heads or tails, because I love Armageddon. Armageddon had a cast <laughs> of everybody, you know. Yeah. Uh, it and it, 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 was, it was one of those action-adventure films that was wonderful. I've never, I've never missed a deadline, and he keeps drilling. Oh my God! We've, we already reviewed The Rock with Michael Bay. You know, I was, I, I, I'm not a big Michael Bay person, but I, I appreciate what he does within, within his, within. Well, I, I hate to tell people what their wheelhouse is, but I think we kind of have a sense of Michael Bay, um, and and. Well, you know, when you, when you finish with The Rock, I want your copy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Somebody said. So, somebody said you want her copy. I can't even find a copy of The Rock. <laughs> I had. I and in his. I just. And in his. Yeah, but I don't want to watch it on Netflix. I want to listen to the commentary. I want the side angles. Oh God. See on that on on great. It's already. Yeah, we're getting encouragement to do commentary for Night Rain already, even though I know DVDs and Blu-rays are becoming more and more sadly obsolete. But I love the DVD extras, especially the commentary. So we've been actually, we've made a making of. We have a making of uh, that has not yet been released of Night Rain. And we're encouraged to do the commentary. So there will be a a commentary for that, too. Um, Did Did The Rock have commentary on yours, or was it? On Netflix I, or what was? I watched. I watched it. I believe I watched it on Amazon. I I watched it streaming. I was sometimes when we get notification the week before, usually what movie we're going to review. Sometimes there's not even enough time to to procure the DVD, even if you could. And in some cases, the DVD Blu-ray you can't even locate it, like you were saying. So I have never seen the commentary on that film. Um, I do happily have the. DVD extras of LA Confidential, which are spectacular. And I actually drew a lot of inspiration. I don't want to say content, but inspiration from LA Confidential in making Night Rain. I, that, it's one of my favorite films. And I just love well, let it. Well, let me ask a silly question, okay? I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of these that like to, like to watch a movie. And like to watch it with the commentary. Yeah. Uh, hear hear what the director says, or what stars say, or whatever. Not every star. You're not going to get a full cast. Sometimes you get that lucky, but very rarely. Uh, in the Criterion Collection, it had Willis, Michael Bay, and Ben Affleck. All three of them. Mm. And I was like 
all three of you? Oh my God! It was it was a great idea that all three of them were there. And Can I, I know you? that they didn't. Go ahead. Have you ever watched the movie with Hayden Christensen uh, and and uh, Peter Skarsgård, uh, Chloe Sevigny, uh, Shattered Glass? Yes. I've never okay, heard it with commentary, but I've seen the film, yes. Okay. It, okay, you, of all people, I want you to put on your list, I have to watch the commentary with the writer-director, Billy Ray, and Chuck Lane, the real-life editor who exposed Stephen Glass at the New Republic. That is a well, phenomenal commentary. All, all the copies they had were just the movie, no commentary, which really oh my upset God. me. All right, I got to share mine with you. I think you will love it. You will just love it. It is, it is one of the most well, fascinating You'll, I'll give you the you know you you know the address. If you don't, I'll give it to you. But you send me a copy, and I will I will treasure it. I mean, you know, I only I've have been, six thousand movies, so you know. I've been trying to get you a director's cut of Night Rain for months, and for some reason, I it's not going through. I may have to mail you a, a Blu-ray or something at some point. I'll take it. So wholeheartedly, I'll take it. Uh, but what amazes me is some people, uh, they said to me, they say, you have over 6,000 movies. What do you do with them? <laughs> watch them. <laughs> and I said, watch them. And they said, huh? How can you watch all 6,000? <laughs> and I said, I'm not watching them all at once. <laughs> I mean, some, <laughs> some people have asked me, well, how do you write, act, direct? Uh, you're an herbalist, you're, you know, you're, you're a poet, you're, you're a painter, you're an illustrator. How do you do all that? I say, well, a lot of the time, not at the same time. Sometimes some things have to be done, like acting, directing, have to be done simultaneously. It's even worse when you have to produce at the same time you're writing, directing. Don't even get me started. But Night Rain is the movie that I always like to say. Oh, I'm getting you started. I want to hear this. Go ahead. <laughs> that Night Rain has almost done me. Night Rain was, I think it was our sales rep who said ambitious would be an understatement with Night Rain. Night Rain, we sometimes shot it with eight cameras. Um. We had multicast, multicast. Wait, 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 wait. One second. Eight cameras. Yeah, there were times we had eight, up to eight cameras running at the same time. Why eight cameras, if I may ask? Um, was uh, we were going for a certain look of the film. We had, and, and keep in mind that technology plays a role in, in Night Rain because the filmmakers in Los Angeles are unbeknownst to them hired by their stalker to make this low-budget period film about the events leading up to the tragic murder known as the Black Dolly murder of Elizabeth Short. And so you can imagine that sometimes there are computer, uh, computer cameras, there are spy cams, there are drones, there are, uh, it's 
uh, and then there are various cameras. Black Magic. We had to. We worked a lot with the A7S, the Sony camera. We had a. Um, <laughs> we had. We had uh, uh, cranes. We had. Uh, we had Ronins. We had many different types of equipment that at that time were new to the market. And so we had various cameras operating at the same time. We even had some cell phones operating at the same time. So it was quite an endeavor. And you can imagine that editing that is quite an endeavor. Um, Okay, you have cell phone video. How do you, okay, and I'm not trying to sound funny, but how would you edit a cell phone video into a regular thing unless the person's on a cell phone? Well, and that's a good question, actually. The answer is, in the storyline, you have situations where there are spy cams, there are cell phones involved, there are computer monitors involved. So you have to use a variety of tools. And you have to know in pre-production how you're going to cut it in post-production. So the writing of the screenplay uh, included working out all those details and which cameras we'd be shooting with when before we ever shot the film. God, I, 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 I don't get me wrong. I pity your director with all the, with all the cameras there. I'm the director. <laughs> you mean my co-director? Or my I co-director? know you're the director. I pity the director with all those. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been, it has been such a wonderful labor of love, and it has also been uh, a fantastic learning, growing experience. I will say that the moment that I felt that I had really succeeded was when Larry Harnish, the former L.A. Times writer-editor and the only member of the media whom the Short family will communicate directly with, said after seeing the, the preview screening, the passing through screening, he said, I, uh, I can tell you put your whole heart into it, and I believe that Elizabeth Short would be grateful for your efforts on her behalf. That brought me to tears, and I said in that moment, this is, this is it's accomplished. This is what I wanted. This is exactly well, what I'm going to Okay, I'm going to ask you, and I said this before, I'm going to ask again. Do you think you'll ever be doing a concert movie? Yeah, I do. I mean, I have done one called Naked, but that was many years I ago. Know. Uh, I know. I'm talking now. Yeah, I will do. Obviously, that, that, we can't do it now because of the current conditions, but the answer is yes. Yes, yes you I will. can. Empty theater and, and just four cameras. You know, I, I know, no, but here's the thing. I want the audience present. I, the audience is a, is a big part of the performance, is a big part of that experience. And until we can have an audience present safely, I, I, would, I, would, I would defer that. To, until we can do that, that's really without sound, without sounding rude. Do you think mm-hmm. we'll ever get back to normalcy? No, I think there's going to be a new way, a new. I don't think the. I think the past is gone, and I think it's a hard thing to mourn. 
but I don't think that we will ever go back to the way things were. I think things are forever changed. And we will learn to exist in a new world now. Okay. Because that's I don't think anybody... That's not to say I don't think anybody going to be watching movies in anything but their TVs or, you know, their boxes or the whatever, well, their DVD players. Tenant, Tenant, Christopher Nolan, Tenant had a very unfortunate, had a, they were hoping that would be the resurgence of theater going, but it had a very unfortunate, and now we see movies like Quiet Place 2 again, Wonder Woman again, being pushed up or back, depending on how we look at it, to a, a later date. Um and it's a very difficult time for the industry. Um, the industry has lost over a billion dollars since the coronavirus. Um, so it's, it's a very challenging time, for sure, for a lot of people. Yeah, but do you, do you feel, okay, you know, we'll ever have the, uh, I can't say golden age of Hollywood. That, that was in the 30s and 40s. But yep. do you think we'll have some sort of, um, how can I express it, uh, magic again with cinema? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I, I something, it's something I don't I mean video. With. I'm talking cinema. Yeah. I'm no, talking. I, I, yes, I think we will. It's going to look different than it did in the golden age, but I do think we will have a new a new golden age. Maybe we'll call it the platinum age. Um, uh, I do. I do absolutely. In fact, I think it's already started because I think in the wake of studios and agencies do two things primarily uh, or three things primarily. They do, they do thrillers with what they call names. They do horror and they do what they call tentpole, whether it's television or motion picture those are the primary avenues, and they're struggling. The studios are struggling terribly right now. Uh, I think it was Paramount who sold off at least three to five titles, uh, and I know they've been battling for a while. If you go to Sony, it's like a ghost town. The, the old MGM, the brick and mortar, uh, the last vestiges, you probably know Jeff Bezos tore down. I, I don't know if I'll ever forgive him for this. He tore down the old Culver Studios, which was the Selznick lot. Um, yeah. I mean, this is tragic. This is tragic. It's that ne- never should have happened. And if he's, you know, if anybody who knows him or has connections to him listens to this, should tell him to put it back, to put it back right now, because we need our landmarks and we need our history. Um, I do believe that in the wake of that, what we see is a very large number of independents that are coming up. And we have people like Dan Harmon who created Channel 101 and, uh, you know, Rick and Morty, an entire network, Adult Swim. Um, We have people who are either part of the system or part of the agencies or have one foot in, one foot out. We have people like myself who are just wanting to make interesting movies that have an impact on the industry. And so, yes, I see the same signs of the golden age bubbling up now um, and have been slowly percolating for a long time. So an emphatic yes, 
I see it very clearly. Well, what, what bothers me, okay, is, okay, and I'm excuse my language, Shit's Creek. That's the name okay. of the show. Don't don't yeah. no let no hate mail to me, okay? But um, it was it's a family affair. They had they won what eight awards. I mean, yeah. Catherine Harry, Eugene Levy, Dan Levy. Everybody from the show got an award, not because they were bad. No, they were very good. But it also was the last season of it. Yeah. It, it was yeah. a fascinating show. It was a comedy. But yeah. they don't, I don't expect this will ever happen again. Yeah, this kind of content, and that's why I was getting at before about the studios, they're making, you know, they're making these, types of specific genres with specific people or they're doing what they call tentpole or television. They do limited series that run very quickly and go by very quick fast. And generally people don't come back to it. Um, once they, you know, quote unquote binge watch something, they often don't come back to it and they're on to something else. And this kind of content place, however, when you talk about golden age, to me, now you're talking about things that become classic, things that people will watch over and over, things that have a deep impact on the industry and on the art form. You know, Irving Thalberg is one of my favorite producers of all time. He was the one who said that film would inevitably become an art form because of the number of people it can communicate to and the way in which it can communicate. And sure enough, he was right. You know, he makes these movies like Grand Hotel. He has a vision. And he could be commercially successful as well as artistically successful. The two do not necessarily have to be, do not necessarily necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. So I think the, the, the creators, the creative artists, the, pe- the filmmakers, today who are really doing remarkable things they are not doing anything that is cookie cutter they're not doing things that are uh that are rote they are coming up with unique approaches to filmmaking and with the uh technologies more and more people can pick up a camera they can shoot a movie for seven thousand dollars eight thousand dollars or less uh, depending on how they go about it. And I really do believe that um, we're going to see more and more creativity surge from this, uh, from our current environment. So that's, that's, I, that's what I see. Well, let me ask you a silly question, okay? You know my questions are so silly, right? I had one person. I said, "Let me ask a silly question," and they said, "That's a good question." (laughs) With a Yiddish accent, they said it. But okay, if you could, if you could um, only do filmmaking or poetry or herbalism. Herbalism, herbalism. I'm not trying to be rude. That's how I. Uh, you know, but how can I express it? Um, 
if you could only do one thing, would it be? That's an excellent question. I would make a movie about poetry, herbalism, painting, dance. <laughs> I would, in other words, yeah. I would skirt your, I would cheat. I would cheat that question. <laughs> I would do it all. I would Have you thought of teaching? Because your podcasts do teach, by the way. I, I, yeah. I got, uh, I got a, a a lovely young lady. Her name is Sean, and sure. she's a comedian. And she said your podcast taught her a lot. Oh, thank you, thank you, Sean. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. I that's you, what she said. I, I I I've listened to two of them, so I can't complain. Thank you. Thank you. I no that that's very much appreciated. I'm sorry. I, I have I've only had so many hours in a day, and so I've only listened to two of them. So I'm sorry. Well, I I should be listening to more. You'll send me the link. I'll make sure that I listen weekly. <laughs> I'm going to do that. I will send you the link, and I'm you're going to become an invited guest. I I thank you, Sean, for that comment. I that means a lot. I I actually when I was considering teaching as a profession, as a professor, when I was studying philosophy and I was working on my master's degree, um, I made a decision. I wanted to make movies. I do not regret that decision. I, I love to teach when the opportunity arises, but in terms of the formal, degreed, structural, I think I just tend to do better when I teach by expressing, by doing, by uh, that's just the way I'm built. I, 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 and I do guest teach. I have been a poet in the schools. I think there are lots of ways to teach besides being a teacher. And, and by the way, my, I come from a family where over 86%, uh, if you include extended family, are teachers by profession. I have a tremendous tremendous admiration for teachers um, because I think they work so tirelessly, the majority of them, um, with a, such a passion. Um, I know my cousin, Sylvia Spacuza, who was an art teacher, people just loved her. She, she created art and she taught as a profession and she loved it so much. She loved it more than anything. That was her art. Her teaching was her art. And I think with me, teaching is part of the art, but, but yeah, I, I think I just, I'm happiest when I'm, uh, when, I'm crea- when I'm creating stuff. I'm just so happy hey, when I'm doing that. I got, I got a notification from the big boss. I'm not saying yeah. you're not a big belle of our son, and that's why I love you. But her name is Marcia Casper, and she's working around here somewhere. Is she around? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> yes, I'm here. Oh, Hi. She's here. It's, it's a good oh, wait show. a second. We, I know. Uh, we, I know. Wait a second. I Make know. sure we have all the, 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 the silverware polished so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it's a, it's a very good show. I just had a couple. I have to just ask a question. You mentioned Ratchet. Okay. I have to talk to you for a moment about that. Hey, did you watch Ratchet? I've watched yes. segments of Ratchet. 
my gut. Because when you mentioned Joan Rivers, Joan Crawford, you know, the thing about Ratchet, you you were talking at the beginning of Joan Crawford, she's like my idol, because anytime I want to, like, get, like, try to be mean, I go, what would Joan Crawford do? (laughs) 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 And then I'm laughing because... The the clothes in the ratchet are so like they're just from the old school. Oh my God, they're so great, you know. And yeah. I, this, but it's such an intense story that I like have to like. And I'm not like, I was a lab tech and I I still have blood for 20 years, but I I'm thinking oh some of the scenes I have to like go really are they doing this? Yeah. You know, it's very insane. Yeah. But you I know, just want to say one about, thing. Yeah, before I lose control of the show, because I love Marshall, Mike. but I end up I end up in the background and I don't want to hurt to take over. And I just wanted to say I, that I I'm not going to talk much more. Oh, yeah, you're not. I, okay. I, I, I love I, I love Rashkit, but uh, yeah. no, we didn't discuss that this trip. You know, in yeah. January yeah. we'll discuss it. I know. But, Dennis, uh, doesn't like to, Dennis doesn't like to change the subject, but I do. <laughs> Ratchet is, is more therapist than the original Ken Kesey novel. Not not that there's yeah. anything wrong with it. I, I I know Ken Kesey might have some issues with his his statement on you know the horrors of the psychological uh, profession combined with and the institutions combined with you know imperialism, you know turning turning that into a kind of you know, anti-hero character. I don't know how you feel about it, but because the book is obviously phenomenal. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Ratchet, I see the influences from the Scarapist on Ratchet for sure. And, and it ratches up, No, well, maybe pun intended after all, it definitely ratches up on the violence and the craziness and the, extre- the extreme. It's very extreme. It's very extreme. Yeah, the you know, well, you know and I, I do, and, I, and I'm interested to know if you could, t- if you could t- also send me the link to your podcast too. I'm interested. Oh. You know, like I, I didn't know about it either. I didn't know either. You know, it's, I well, didn't I know about the it. podcast. I'd but like I to didn't. come. I'd we love to come and talk live, about. We don't live in the same house. Armageddon. Then we don't live in. The same house. <laughs> Wait a minute! All you guys don't live in the same house, and all the Huffington no. writers don't. Not yet, but we're getting there. Not yet, but we're getting there. No, I just have to say one other thing. Okay, tomorrow, I just, you know, know, sometimes I just like to say hello at the end, but actually tomorrow, I have a show with several people on. We're going to be talking about the voting and how important it is because I just want, because that's what you were talking, you know, about how crazy the world has, you know, been becoming. So we are having a show tomorrow. It's kind of intense. I don't do too many political shows, but Jack Remick is going to be on and Marta Bishop. And so Marta Moran Bishop and uh, also her brother. And it's important that everybody votes. And I'm having and another I might, show I might come just, to, just to be a fly on the wall. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell, you know, that, honestly, like because, I, you know, it's very important. You know, seriously, it's very important that everybody vote. The, everybody's rights are at issue. You know, this is for everybody. You know, so I think it's important. You know, um, I, you know, I, all these years I really haven't done political shows very much, but I think some. You know, I'm having a, also with Jeff Leisler, my editor, he's written two books um, on voting. It's just important, you know, um, that we do these things. You know, I most of my shows are like fun and 
carefree. Like Bennett, we do this because, you know, it's fun. And right now, especially because it's so bad out there, that we need to have fun, you know. Yeah. Because and that's really important. I don't think we need to have fun. I think we need to inform. And I think I think we do have fun with the information. But I think also that talking to some of these people, you get a different perspective. I mean, Jean is a filmmaker, a poet, a director. She, she she's done everything on this thing. But I've all, I have and, I have done political too. I mean, and I've written articles about, for example, the um, the presidential debates, the development of the Commission for Presidential Debates versus the League of Women Voters, uh, mm-hmm. third party voices. Uh, I, I've, I've marched for peace. I've, and so Marsha's right. And that's, we, it is important. And I, I think Marsha too, the sense that I get is that I think the reason it feels bigger now is because of certain restrictions we're feeling because the, the world is very extreme right now. Yeah. Yeah. We feel it that yeah. much more, you know? Right. And, and I think that that is what it is. So I think, you know, right now, I think that, Anything that we can do, just to you know, just so it should be fair, you know. And um, Marcia, tell them what time your show is. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, my show is four Eastern, three Central. I'm in Chicago, and um, I think you know uh, we we like to have fun on the shows, but I think this time I think I need to do this. You know, uh, this is an important year. For all of them. I've already gotten no four people who. saying, am I coming? So I don't know. Yeah. I may come. Well, Bennett, you know, right. You know, um, yeah, there's three of us going to be on the show. But then you know, I have another show on, on Tuesday on it, only because of this. You know, and I've had shows on COVID. I've had, you know, this, you know, I this is what I think. March came and now we're in October. So it's like <laughs> not really good. Yeah, is it October already? <laughs> almost, almost, almost. I think it's like I'm, I'm yeah. putting the shows in for October and I'm thinking I cannot believe it's October coming up. You know, right. I, I just can't. Uh, you know. I have shows all the way through to Thanksgiving. Uh, next week, before I forget, Nenea Hoffman will be my guest. In the hot seat, and it'll be an interesting show. Uh, okay, I'm, she's a lovely lady. Uh, well, and, listen, well, you know, it's, listen, uh, it's just fun, you know, to do shows and meet people. Over the last 12 years, that's what I've done. But I, I also have to say one thing. it's We're not World of Ink anymore. It's Michigan Avenue Media. You know, and I got to... I got to change a few things to get rid of that, you know, because I started out with Red River 12 years ago. So, but now it is Michigan Avenue. And sometimes I don't, you know, I don't say it like I'm, I can say it now because it's on your time because I hate to talk about, I don't talk about anything on my show because it's like I, I hate to talk about me or what we do. But we really have a lot of new authors that have come on and a lot of people that have really great careers. And it's just fun to hear. I, you know, I'm also a screenwriter. You know, and I think that we all get to, we all like each other and we're all, this is the thing. This is what I try to show. What people that I've met, I've never would have met my whole life. Yeah. Okay. You know, well, let, let, me, let me do so this anyway, because you I don't want to do anybody. Show and Jean, it's very nice having you on the show. Thank you very much. We'll have a show oh, together soon, you. okay? Yes, all right, oh, I go back it. to my your pleasure. thing. Thank you. I'm, thank I'm you, out. Oh. I'm out. Bennett, it's yours. It's all yours. 
Have a good day. Oh, it, it's mine again. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. That, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is Marcia Casper Cook, the head of Michigan Avenue Media. My boss, the loveliest lady in the world, or one of the loveliest ladies in the world. I don't want to die. So uh, she's one of the loveliest ladies in the world. Because I'm talking to another lovely lady. And I want you to update. I'm sorry? I said, oh, you're so charming. Well, I thought so. I mean, I'm not (laughs) smelling steak oil. All kidding aside. Tell them what you have. I know you have a scarabist. I know you have a book of poetry. You have other things. Tell them what you have, so these people can go to the can go to Amazon and and buy things from you. Well, my friends, um, the scarabist, as I mentioned, is on TVOD and an SVOD platform through September thirtieth of 2020. Um, Night Rain is not yet released, but will be coming out next year. Uh, There are books like uh, For Beautiful Children Like You uh, and um, Beautiful Terrible True, a collection of poetry, uh, My Italia, a humorous travelogue. Uh, There is a Night Rain perfume uh, a portion of those proceeds do go to Shelter House, which helps families uh, establish themselves in in housing and employment. Very worthy cause. Um, and we make a donation for for every item we sell. We make a donation. A percentage of that goes to show, uh, to uh, them uh, in honor of Elizabeth Short. Um, and what link would they go to? They can go to the they can go to seasonsandamuse.com, and they can find all of our merchandise there. We have bumper stickers, we have many things, and all you need do uh, posters. Uh, you can also go to our crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo for Night Rain. There are a number of items for sale there as well. We have and a don't making forget to ask crowd- for an autograph. It always is more valuable autograph. So get it autographed. I know. Get it autographed. I think this lady will do it. I don't know how much she'll charge you, but it's worth it to get it autographed and personalized and everything else. And you can go to your you can go to your kids and grandkids and everybody else and say, (laughs) Hey, yeah, I got an autograph. Oh yeah, it's a great movie. (laughs) Yeah, we went to the movie. Okay. Are, yes, that's right. I like your exuberance around it. That is, he is tr- he is telling the truth, folks. This is really true. And we, we there is um the DVD uh, field day, uh, which uh, is a, a very lovely short film that we made um, about a group of young people finding themselves in a battle situation unexpectedly, um, and it's a statement about. You know, without judgment, it's a statement about violence and war, which we all live with. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of things that are available. And, um, yes, I am, but I always have time for people I love. And I always have time to reach Wait out. Wait a second. Does that include me or not? Uh, are you kidding? You're my big brother. 
<laughs> I know that. But I want I wanted a public acclamation of it. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I know. But so she is she is one of the filming, when we start filming some of our scenes for making Angels in New York, are you gonna to come to the set and visit? Yeah, I'm planning on it. Okay then. I got relatives in the Bronx, and and they were saying, you know, when am I coming for a visit? Well, I'll come with a visit with a mask, like we, you know, and I'll travel, uh, and I'll be there. It's only uh, four hours to New York, so yeah. I'll see you. I'll meet you there on my hovercraft. By then, maybe we'll get hovercraft. I do, and I but do. But no, hey. Don't say that the last person that said they'd meet me with a vehicle, they came with the vehicle. Wow. That's impressive. So if you say all the crap, I can almost expect it, you know? Say to the audience, if you have questions, comments, you can always get in touch with us, um, you know, through social media. We do respond. Uh, The Criterion Collective is every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific time from the Facebook page of poet Matt Cedillo, a very talented poet. And, of course, we mentioned David Romero, also on a member of the Criterion Collective and, in fact, the founder of Criterion Collective, very talented. As Bennett mentioned, I have to be careful what I say to him so it doesn't go too much to his head. Um, but he is actually a sweetheart, uh, as is Matt. I think he and, is too, uh, but don't tell him I, I can't. Can I call him a sweetheart? I don't know. If I call him a sweetheart, he may slug me. <laughs> I don't think, and I want to say to the audience that Bennett is a dear, dear sweetheart and a love and a honey. So you guys are very blessed with him uh, as your host because he's he's actually bar none one of my favorite people in the world. So thank you. And if mm-hmm. I don't, um, excuse me, I'm starting to tear up a little. I'm getting too oh, old. I miss you. Uh, I know. Okay. All kidding aside, they know where to get your stuff. They should. When is night? Uh, when is night going to come out? So night rain. We know it's going to be 2021. We don't have a. Tell you an interesting story. So I received a call from the programmer of La Femme International Film Festival that. We had a qualified acceptance. We have to cut the film's length down. Our director's cut is two hours and 22 minutes. Our theatrical cut is one hour and 58 minutes and 57 seconds. Our uh, festival cut is to be determined still. Uh, We shaved off about 11 minutes. Well, it turns out that when you make a film, and it's a good film, you don't have a lot of content you can actually cut from it. And... um, you can ask pretty much any director. Uh, that was true of Apocalypse. No, I'm not saying I'm Francis Ford Coppola, I'm Jean-Marie Spakuta. I don't want to compare myself to other directors, but it, it is a situation where we're struggling to find a way to reduce the running time for festival friendliness. So it will. I want my director's cut. Yeah, you will get the director's cut. A version of the film will be screening during the online uh, La Femme International Film Festival, a very good film festival, and we will be doing a special event for that. So we'll be doing Q&A. So anyone who wants to join when. us, anyone, that's going to be sometime between the 15th and the 18th of October. We have not received the schedule yet. 
So we don't know the exact date that the film is screening yet. But we will be making announcements, and we're going to be doing some really fun stuff for that to be announced. So that's going to be really, really, really great. Um, and you, and that, you tell your cohort, your cohorts for your uh, for your uh, Criterion collection that yeah. I want to do hopscotch. I I want uh, I want to do hopscotch. That's the one I, I, I hoped you would pick that one because I re- would really love to do that one with you. So I will tell them. I will tell them. I want to I do Hopscotch. I would love to do Armageddon. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know. Okay. So Hopscotch and, and Armageddon. I, I got to find a copy of The Rock, though. Anybody out there find a copy of the Criterion version of The Rock? I want it. I'm not spending $500. You heard it here. here. We're on a scavenger hunt for The Rock. Yeah, but I I always love somebody saying, I got a copy for $500. Good luck. Wow. (laughs) You know, I got a – do you remember Yvette Vickers? Do you remember Yvette Vickers? Yeah. From – Famously discovered by uh, AC a. Lyle, the uh, the ultimate casting casting couch producer, because he actually did end up giving actresses roles after he put them on a casting couch. Unlike some who made the promises and never delivered. Uh, but I won't go too far as that. I never knew AC Lyle personally, but I knew people who knew him. He uh, was the I one. I met who him once. Him. You met him? He's yeah, I met him once. Nice guy. He was pretty honest about the casting couch, and he he really did help Yvette Vickers in her career. Her first, I think, significant, I guess, appearance in a film was in Sunset Boulevard as one of the giggling girls on the telephone at the Jack Webb character party, um, New Year's Eve party. But you, I found a, a photograph autographed uh, on eBay from her. I think it was about a hundred dollars. Um, I got it for a friend who loves her. You know, how can you not love well, somebody who's a I'm looking for oh the criterion version the of the law. Sean Connery fan, I want it. Nick Cage, Sean Connery, <laughs> I want a copy of the law. You guys no, I don't here. need Wayne Johnson. I have, I have Hobbs <laughs> and Shaw. That's not what I'm looking for, and they don't have that one in the criterion collection anyway. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh! So yeah, you you, you uh, yeah okay. Then you've thrown down the gauntlet. You've you've struck your intention. Yeah, and in- I bet you by the by this evening at Audio World at Yahoo.com, I get. Oh well, I have it for five hundred dollars. Good luck with that. <laughs> Too many people want to offer me the the the, the pie in the sky. $500. Good luck. Somebody out there you know. has to go locate this. Where we're going to have to be on the lookout. It's a scavenger hunt. we got to be on the lookout for this DVD or Blu-ray. I'm not talking the regular copy that you can get for $10 on eBay. He's talking about no, the one with the commentary and other extras, guys. That's what he's looking for. Exactly. That's what I'm looking for. Dear lady, it's always a pleasure. 
we can spend a year apart from each other, and it's like I get together with her, and it's it's amazing. Um, next week, Nenea Hoffman will be my guest. She'll be in the hot seat, and we'll be talking about a lot of things, including her website and her new children's book and other things. So please be well, stay right, good luck. Wear a mask and good night. Good night. Have a good evening. You too. Thank you. <laughs>